I'm able to now catch it before it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm able to recognize the triggers or sometimes it's not even the trigger. It's just like the change in my mood, yes. the change in mm-hmm. thinking, the change in my patterns of thoughts. And then I go, okay, he's getting closer again, the man in the mm-hmm. black hat. And so let me just double down in self-care. Well, we made it to 2021. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and I'm excited to be back at the podcast. One of the more challenging aspects of high-functioning anxiety is the catch-22 of the positive affirmations you receive for being so on it and accomplishing so much versus the overwhelm and exhaustion you feel under the surface. This catch-22 causes those of us with high-functioning anxiety to be extremely performative in how we approach our lives. The never-let-them-see-you-sweat idea permeates everything we do. You're listening to The Happy Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. On today's podcast, I'm talking with Lou Blazer from the Second Breaks podcast. Lou was kind enough to agree to come on and talk about her experience with anxiety and depression. Lou and I refer to that catch-22 as the swan effect. You look beautiful and calm on the outside, but underneath the surface, you are paddling like crazy. I am so excited for you to hear this interview. This episode has a part one and a part two. Part two will be released next week. Keep listening to hear when Lou realized she needed help, what therapy taught her about anxiety and depression, the signs for Lou when she needs to step up her self-care practices, how both our larger culture and the culture of the corporate world keep us stuck in performing. I'm so excited today to introduce Lou Blazer from the Second Breaks podcast. She is here to talk to us about her experience with high-functioning anxiety. I just can't say enough, Lou. I know this is hard and requires a ton of vulnerability. And so I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story because I think anytime we can hear someone else's story, it helps us. It just makes it less lonely, you know? Yes, yeah. And as I mentioned to you before we hit record, it's not something that I normally talk about in the grand scheme of things, but I will do it with you because oh. I know you and I'm comfortable talking about it with you. <laughs> so how would you say, let's just dive right in. How would you mm-hmm. say your high functioning anxiety shows up? Okay. So whenever I think about anxiety or depression or any kind of mental well-being sort of topic I always think in terms of before and after so I call it before awareness because Mm. there was a long period of time when I didn't know what was going on I didn't understand what was going on so there was that before awareness and then after awareness I call it and unfortunately most of my life, I was in the before awareness. <laughs> I was just going to say, what was the time frame? Um, what was, when would you say the awareness came in? No, I know exactly the year it happened. It was 2008. So it was about uh, 12 years ago now. And the reason is because I just felt like I finally had to talk to someone. So before that, I was not talking to anyone. I was not seeing a therapist. I wasn't telling anybody about anything, not my friends, not my family. I just felt like 
it was something that you don't talk about, Lou, because that's <laughs> maybe a defect there. And also a couple of things. I grew up in an environment where you don't talk about these things because mm -hmm. it's embarrassing and it's drama and you don't want drama. What would the other people say, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of environment. So yep. that was one. And then two, I was working in a very competitive, as a lot of people of your listeners as well, I'm sure I was working in a very competitive industry where the mantra was, or I don't know if it's still the mantra now, but when I was there, it was up or out. So it's either you're moving up the ladder or you're mm -hmm. out of here. Mm -hmm. So talking about anxiety and mental well-being, not something we normally talk about. Yep. And so those are the kinds of things you or I hid. And then, like I said, around 2008, I just felt like, okay, Lou, it's over and above. I just felt like I need to talk to someone. And so I finally, on my own, it wasn't like somebody told me that I had to seek help. It was just, I just felt like overwhelmingly, like the water is up to my you know, knows already <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so there wasn't, there wasn't like a... Um a breaking point like oh my gosh like no. i can't get out of bed or i can't function in the world it was just your own like whew, this is yeah too yeah. much Do you know i mean this is such a cliche and people talk about this all the time but it's the clearest analogy you know that that swan that's like smooth sailing mm -hmm. on the surface but frantically paddling that is the I mean, I know it's a cliche, but that is the visual representation of what was happening to me. And there was there just came a point where the paddling that was happening beneath the surface was just too much. Uh -huh. And I said, okay, I need to just talk to someone. And I I looked up my insurance service providers and I picked someone whose name sounded like, oh, seems like I know, I kind of like this person's name. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't ask for a recommendation because if you ask for a recommendation, that means you're looking for someone. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> so I just, fortunately for me, Nancy, really, thank goodness for this. The person I went to talk to was very helpful. I clicked nice. with her and that was the beginning of cracking that wall of awareness that I began to like understand things. Now, having said that, it's not, and I'm sure this is not your case either, or the people that you talk to, it's not like you talk to a therapist and <laughs> man, I wish that was the case. Like right? that would be awesome. <laughs> it was still a struggle for many, many years before I finally, you know, and so now I, I, can I am after awareness. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, you know, one of my messages is I still struggle with this. Like this is still a thing. It just yes. is now I have coping skills around yes. it that I didn't have in the past. My goal is always the, the closing the gap of when mm. I notice that I'm in anxiety and when I take an action. And sometimes that's quick. Sometimes that's days. A couple of weeks ago, it was a couple of weeks that I was stuck in it and I couldn't get out of it. Sometimes it's kind of like this straight jacket of anxiety and depression come over us and we can't get yeah. out of it. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it. And I think that that gap that you're talking from the catching it before you go into a spiral, that is the number one thing that I learned from just being aware. Because before mm-hmm. I I didn't know I was catching anything. Like I didn't know right. to be aware of it, anything. It just happens, right? And before right. I know it, I'm in a spiral. You talked about anxiety and depression. Tell me how those play out for you. So for the record, when I went to see a therapist in 2008 and we do all these questionnaires and Mm -hmm. examining and talking and talking, and that's when I was first diagnosed with clinical depression. I've heard of people having depression, but I didn't really understand what that meant or that this is going to sound very sad, but my impression of people who have anxiety disorders or depression is that they're catatonic. (laughs) Talk about that more because that that is common. That that Mm -hmm. is my impression of Mm -hmm. people who are not able to be, you know, successful or just Mm -hmm productive citizens right Right. Mm -hmm. and and then when i'm beginning to understand this i'm like oh my god there's probably more of us who are experiencing it but Mm -hmm. we're just not talking about it or we don't have the vocabulary or we just don't know how to talk about it Mm -hmm. safely that's when i began to understand these different things i don't know necessarily how to differentiate between am I going into a depression cycle or if if this is a, an anxiety sort of moment, shorter moment, mm-hmm. I just know the feelings that occur mm-hmm. or the feelings that I, I begin to pay attention to. And I also have this, this is going to sound probably uh, funny, but I have this visualization of my anxiety or my depression, and maybe it's wrong to interchange towards Nancy, but I, I don't, this... let me just say, I don't think it is. I love how you said that. We get so caught up in what's the label? Yeah. Is this the anxiety? It's rec- like you said, I recognize these feelings. They're sending me down a spiral, whether that's a spiral of anxiety or depression. I just know something's off and I got to take action and close that gap. That's why I asked you to talk about it because I think labeling it doesn't matter. It's just recognizing something's off and, and this you. isn't okay. And let Thank me you. do something. Exactly. Because that's another thing, right? We begin to kind of like say yes. things and that's just another layer of anxiety. Doing. Right. <laughs> Totally. So, so I have this, um, I learned this when I was uh, regularly seeing a therapist where I have this man in a black suit with a black hat. Mm-hmm. And I always say that this man is always with me. He is always in the room. It's just that most of the time he's far away. But sometimes I can feel, I can see him coming closer. And that's when I know this is my anxiety flaring up. My depression Mm -hmm. is flaring up and I have to keep him at bay. Mm -hmm. He has to be out there in a corner out there where I can see him and he's out there. (laughs) I love that. Saying it that way, but that is how it comes across in my head. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's what I love about my characters is they give for me kind of that same idea of, Oh, I, it, it takes it. 
it takes out the personalization that there's something wrong with me. It's like, ah, yeah. there's that guy and he's getting closer and I got to yeah. step in here. Yeah, yeah exactly. I exactly. love that. I love that. <laughs> um, two things I want to go back to. First, I want to go back to the swan analogy. And you were like, ah, that's, you know, it's overdone. And any, all of those things that are overdone, they're overdone for a reason because it is so common. And I think that it's so unfortunate how our society we still really value the swan you oh know, we, god we don't want to see what's underneath and so it gets reinforced yes keep being okay keep being okay because so many people have to have a a moment of breakdown you know mm-hmm. like everything comes crashing down before they will recognize ah problem and that's why i love that you were able to recognize it ahead of that and i think that's important And then the other thing I wanted to say was how you said, just to draw attention to the idea that people don't have the vocabulary or they don't have a place to talk about it safely. Because I think that is so important. And that's one reason I love your analogy of the man with the black hat and the idea of the monger and the BFF, because it's giving us a language that isn't so emotional as anxiety and depression. We have stigmatized those. And I know there's a lot of work in in trying to destigmatize them, but I also think there's some help in changing the language. I think there's also a sexist element to it. So there's this story. This was actually the time when I finally um, hmm. saw the therapist. That's why this story was was one of the first things I told her. We, were, we had this very intense project and with lots of problems and lots of headaches, but it was very visible to the company and the CEO and the board of directors. They were all eyes on this project that I was, my boss was leading and I was in the team. And then at the end of the day, he would call me in his office and he would tell me how nervous he is about this project, how anxious he feels about this project, how, you know, he's worried about what it's going to do to his career if this project goes haywire, all these kinds of things. And I am there to listen and to tell him, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. We are working hard. We are meeting the milestones. Don't worry. We have a plan for attack. And I am not... I'm going to say allowed, although that may be unfair, but I couldn't reflect the same thing Mm -hmm. because, first of all, I felt like my role is I have to be absorbing it. And also a woman Mm -hmm. saying those things will be described as all the stuff that we Mm -hmm. are described as when we are feeling those things, right? And so all the more I had to be more like in control and we have a plan and don't you worry Mm -hmm. and I got your back and that's why you have me here. And meanwhile, I go home and I have the exact same feelings Mm -hmm. he was talking to me about. Mm -hmm. So I think there's also that layer to it that as women, we have to be, or I had to be speaking for myself, I felt like I had to be careful about how it comes across to other people so that they won't label me as emotional or drama queen or not Mm -hmm. being able to handle stress or see she's not up to the leadership, you know, those things. Ah, I I mean, if if the listeners could see me, I am nodding (laughs) emphatically over here. Um, But no, that is an awesome point because I think, you know, it's both sides of the coin. It's Mm -hmm. I have to be supportive Mm -hmm. of people in my life who are flipping out and I can't flip out. It's a double whammy. Mm -hmm. And and I Mm -hmm. think that sexism definitely plays a role there. I think that a big 
part of, of how this plays out is that we swallow these lies without ever having anyone be like, think of it a different way. And so that's a little bit what I want the podcast to be is a way for people to be like, oh, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. yeah. This is not something I need to swallow all the time. I wish that I could say that if I was a little bit braver, that I could have talked about it more, that I could have been more transparent about it. Uh, but I, I say I wish because, to be honest, I am not sure if I had been braver, if I had been, if it had been received, yeah, well, or if mm-hmm. it would have been a safe environment. So mm-hmm. I think that. For me, one of the most important things that happened was seeking a therapist because that was the safe environment to be able to talk about it. And then as I learned more about it, I read more about it. Then I said, oh, there are other people. And then meeting other people who, Mm -hmm. like you, in our community that we both belong in, Mm -hmm. that, that we can talk about these things mm-hmm. and it's safe and nobody's yes. going to judge you and nobody's going to say, Oh, Nancy's flipping out. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, and so that safe environment, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not in corporate America anymore. So 2014, I stepped away. I would hope that these days it's a little bit more open for, for example, I say that because pick Harvard business review. Like when I was climbing the ladder, there weren't a lot of mental well-being mm-hmm. articles mm-hmm. written in Harvard business review. I read those articles now. So maybe there's more openness now. Maybe there's more awareness now mm-hmm. about these things, that these are things that need to be getting discussed or managed in mm-hmm. the workplace. So, but I'm glad you said that because I think our tendency is is to, you know, when we see a different way of doing it, then we're like, oh, I need to tell everyone about this or I'm not being brave, as you yes. said. And I think being brave is recognizing where is it safe to talk about this? Yeah. It's recognizing going into the corporate, you know, going to my boss and being like, hey, I'm in therapy and I'm learning this and this and this. Not safe, not a good plan, not smart. So that I, you know, we go to that black and white thinking of, oh, I'm gonna, I learned this, so I need to be brave and share it with everyone. I I think if we could just start talking about it in the areas where we're safe and, and practice building up that resilience around it, then potentially, maybe with a capital M, we can head out into the world and start talking about it differently. Yeah, exactly. Because there are a lot of messages around not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. So yeah, but sometimes I feel on defense because there is this message or sentiment out there that for those of us who understand that we should speak out and Mm -hmm. speak up about these things and advocate these kinds of conversations, but there's also recognizing that it could be harmful if you are just having discussions willy-nilly about these things and not paying attention to where you're having these discussions. Yeah, so it's not just Let's talk about it openly all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. You're not going to go to someone who is completely closed down about Mm -hmm. these topics and start talking about it. But to be open to recognizing, ah, there's a window here. Mm -hmm. Let me share. Ah, you know, I was a swan too. Yeah. I mean, 
for example, just being perfectly candid, like back in 2004, 2005, if you walked up to me, Nancy, and told me, can you talk about your anxiety? I'd be like, Nancy, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Stay away from me. Yes, I'm not going there. Because I would even agree. I would agree agree with you. I would feel the same way. And I'm a freaking therapist. (laughs) You know, I would have been like, I don't have anxiety. I help people with anxiety. It's not my thing. I'm a swan Mm -hmm. through and through. There's no paddling underneath even. I am just together. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that word. I am together. Yes, that's it. (laughs) That is it. (laughs) Because that's the biggest challenge, I think, with all of this, but specifically with the high functioning piece Mm -hmm. that we get so much praise Mm -hmm. for being a swan to admit that we're paddling so hard underneath is a point of, of shame. Yeah. And to admit that we're struggling with paddling underneath yeah. is a point of shame. I was a major aha for me when I realized with food, where I want to be with food is to eat whatever I want and not have any ramifications. Yeah. It's not that I want to get my eating under control. I want to magically be able to eat whatever I want because I value people that can eat whatever they want and yeah. not gain weight. I think they're way cooler than me. They figured something out. And it's just freaking metabolism. Mm-hmm. But the same is true that I want to be able to do all the stuff and be on top of it and, and be a swan. But it's a negative that I'm paddling so hard underneath. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Talk about that paddling thing. The funny thing for me, so I started seeing a a therapist in 2008. Then I was regularly seeing her for years. And so that was obviously helpful. And I was starting to read things a bit more. So my awareness, my understanding of it. But the thing that really was helpful for me is when I stepped away from corporate America. So so let me just make sure I clarify that. It's not that stepping away from corporate America is the solution. It is this. Because as soon as I stepped away from corporate America, I no longer had to perform day in, day out for other people, right? Mm-hmm. So this together image... Before, when I was going to the office every day, Monday to Friday, or sometimes Monday to Saturday, whatever it was, I was always on. But then I stepped away and I started doing things for myself. I started my own business. This pressure to perform for others, to look together all the time, disappeared overnight. Yeah. And, And then I started to like, okay, I can allow myself to feel this way. And all those other pressure disappeared overnight. That to me was very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then I began to be able to be more aware of when it's happening, that catching it, because I'm allowing myself to feel it. Whereas before it was like, you know, it's always always like there's always this defenses up mechanism so that I'm not even really feeling because I'm fighting it all the time. Because it wasn't safe to feel it. It wasn't, right? But as soon as that thing where I'm allowing myself to feel it, so then I'm able to now catch it before it happens. Mm -hmm. I'm able to recognize the triggers or... Sometimes it's not even a trigger. It's just like the change in my mood, the change in Mm -hmm. thinking, the change in my patterns of thoughts. And then I go, okay, he's getting closer again, the man in the Mm -hmm. black hat. And so let me just double down on self-care. That totally makes sense. Because I think that it is kind of that idea, which is first the chicken or the egg, Mm -hmm. because society, culture, corporate America is broken 
in this belief that we all need to be beautiful swans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to be mentally healthier and to be better human beings that we can't have that image. Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't fit in with what the larger culture wants us to be. Mm -hmm. As you said, I'm not advocating that everyone leave corporate America. (laughs) Right. It's a lot harder to change the behavior. If you are immersed in you have to be a swan, you have to be a swan, you have to be a swan, you have to be a swan. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. That just is. But I also wanted to comment on you catching yourself. You know, you said, well, it's not a trigger. And I think that is important to recognize too, that it's not like it gets triggered. Sometimes it does. But sometimes it just comes on. Sometimes it just, the anxiety and the thoughts and the, it just overwhelms us. You know, like I will say, sometimes my inner critic just is louder than other days. The monger is louder. And so on those days, she can come in and it's like a straitjacket that she puts on me. It just happens. A huge thank you to Lou. It takes a lot of courage to be willing to be so vulnerable, and I am so appreciative of this conversation. To learn more about Lou and listen to her podcast, visit her at secondbreaks.com. The performative nature of high-functioning anxiety is why I developed my unique way of working with clients called Coach in Your Pocket. The traditional 60-minute hour just isn't enough time for people with high-functioning anxiety to relax and be able to set their performative nature aside. After years of being frustrated with clients not making much progress, I realized there had to be a better way, and that's why I developed Coach in Your Pocket. Throughout our work together, you'll be able to leave me a voice or text message literally 24-7 through an easy-to-use app called Voxer, and I'll respond during my office hours, Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. I've been doing this work for over 20 years, and Coach in Your Pocket is the most effective and most life-changing work I've ever done. My clients are consistently blown away by how these daily check-ins allow them to relax enough to make significant changes. These meetings create slow, lasting changes that reprogram their high-functioning anxiety tendencies over time. My clients often say, They make more progress in a week using this methodology than years of therapy. The truth is being the go-to person, always striving for perfection and plowing ahead at a feverish pace has helped you keep your high-functioning anxiety at bay. And now those behaviors, well, they're just not working anymore. Your anxiety keeps creeping in more and more. You see it in your kids. You see it at work. You see it in your relationships. It is permeating everything. It's time to be loyal to you to take off the mask, to face your high-functioning anxiety, and to become confident in who you are. Ready to get started? Visit live-happier.com and click on Work With Me to learn more about Coach In Your Pocket. Do you know someone who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them a link to the show website, live-happier.com backslash podcast, or encourage them to listen via their favorite podcast app. For those of us with high-functioning anxiety, we can feel so alone, and asking for help is hard. Hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend, so don't underestimate the power in sharing. 